and um, you get to hear one of our favorite speakers, one of our, the father of our house is um, Gaylord, and Gaylord's going to come up and share a message with us this morning. We're so grateful to have you here, Gaylord, and um, that's it. So can you give Gaylord a welcoming? Thank you, Sue. I appreciate that, and it's good to be here. You know, I look around, and it, um, the people that are here today must not be the campers. We must be those people that uh, uh, have a little different uh, preference, at least for this week. I, um, I just want to say it's a privilege to be here again today and to be with you and be with family and friends and just part of the Christian family. But one of the traditions that we are developing in our city, and it's happening in numbers of congregations right now, is we're praying for one another. And this morning, before we start our message, I want to pray for uh, Jose Camberos and his wife Vivian and Promise Church. He's one of the young pastors in our city. And I'd like you just to take the faith in your heart. You know, if you asked many of the pastors in our city, if you said, how many churches are in our city? they would say there's one church, and it's the church that Jesus is building. There are many congregations that gather in Jesus' name, and we're one of them right here. But I want us to pray for the congregation um, known as Promise Church and for Jose. Would you join me? Father, thank you for the young pastors that are being raised up in our city. Thank you for Jose. Thank you for the amazing story that he has and for the passion he has to pastor as an under-shepherd of your flock. We bless him today. We bless that congregation, his wife Vivian, their baby. We thank you for them, uh, as we do for just all that you're doing in our city. And now, Lord, as we consider your word right here in this house today, we're asking you to open our eyes and our hearts, open our minds to receive in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, today, um, I'm really excited to share a message entitled, My New Address. Anybody here uh, ever moved and had to uh, do that? I think we could pretty much everybody in the house could say we've done that. Um, my wife and I did that just over 10 years ago, and I remember very distinctly the significance of that transition, and it's great to be uh, for us, just in an amazing place that's been God's provision for us. My new address. It was about that same time that this really gripped me in a whole new way, and I want to share that with you today. And to do that, I'd like you to turn to John chapter 15, verse 9 through 12, just four verses that we're going to consider as the core of this message today. Uh, if you'd open your um, phones or your Bibles to that passage, John chapter 15, verses 9 through 12. I'm going to read it here. These are the words. You can follow along. I'm reading from the NIV. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I've told you this, so my joy can be in you 
and your joy can be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, this passage of Scripture, uh, we're going to create just a little bit of context because many of you would recognize that this is part of uh, what Jesus is saying in the bigger body of John chapter 15. He has started this passage by going to something that many of us would recognize, and it's a part of my story here today, the first verse in, verse in chapter 15, where he begins to talk about the vine, the true vine, and his father as the gardener, and he talks about bearing fruit and how he prunes us so that we can bear fruit. And if you look down through uh, the verses that follow there, he goes on to say, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he goes on to the last uh, part of verse 8, and he said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to me, my disciples. Nearly 55 years ago, Patty and I, newly married, we were in a place called Ivy House. It was Jesus Revolution time. And we had uh, about 35 people living together in this commune. And I, we were the directors in that place. Well, um, I was having devotions one morning, and my devotions that day were out of John chapter 15. And I read those first eight verses of John chapter 15. And I stopped in verse 8, just where we stopped right now. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And I said, God, this is everything I've ever wanted. I want to bear much fruit. I want to learn what it is to abide in you. And so it so gripped me that I began every day for months following during my devotions, I would focus on the first eight verses of John, of, of John 15. And I was praying and saying, Lord, show me. As a matter of fact, I would even take it beyond my devotions. When I was driving up and down Highway 99 uh, doing ministry stuff, we, back then we didn't have um, vineyards up here. Now we have them all over California. But back then, it was mostly raisins and, and, and down in the middle of the state. And so I would be driving down Highway 99, I would see a vineyard, and I would stop, pull off the highway, and I would go out in the orchard, and I would stop, and I would say, Lord, show me whatever I need to see about how to abide in you, because I want to know how to do it. How does the vine abide in the branch? I know that's the way. I know that without you I can do nothing, but I want to bear fruit. Show me how to do that. And I would pray and look at it and ask the Lord to show me anything. Well, the amazing thing, it was just about the time that Patty and I moved into the house we now live in, a beautiful little place that is God's provision for us, and we love it there. It was about that time that the Lord showed me that I had stopped too early in this verse. And uh, to help us understand, I, I want to just look at the context a little bit of, of what this looks like. If you recognize in your Bibles, this, this is in the middle of Jesus' last discourse. It's the discourse that he's giving at the Last Supper. 
and it's at the very end of his earthly ministry. They're celebrating the historic Passover that night. It's been celebrated for 1,300 years, and he's announced that night the new covenant in his blood. We just celebrated that today here in this house, his broken body and his shed blood, and we always remember the new covenant that he gave with it. That night, Jesus has done something spectacular. He's washed the disciples' feet, something that was just unheard of except for servants in that culture. And he is giving them his final message that night. In that message, he gives them a new commandment, and that is to love one another as he has loved us. So that's the context of what is said. And this discourse begins in John chapter 13, and it goes through the end of 16, and then it's followed by a prayer in the garden in chapter 17. John 13, uh, 1 would start like this. Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave uh, this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he showed them the full extent of his love. So that's the context of where we are today. So now, I want to go back to the four verses that we are looking at this morning. John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Now I want to focus right now on the word remain for a moment, because this this particular verse... Uh, is translated different ways in different scriptures. For example, the King James would say, continue in my love. Uh, NASB would say, abide in my love. But what it is, it's the Greek word meno. And it happens 12 times in those in John chapter 15. It's used a dozen times. Now remember when they were teaching us about studying the Bible, when you see a word repeated, you know that it's a significant part of what's being communicated there. So this word meno is there 12 times. So let's look at the meaning of meno. Meno in the Greek language means to stay in a given place. It means my abode. It means where I dwell. It's my home. It's where I live. It's the place I'm supposed to be. Meno remain or abide or continue but the the this is a significant word for us so what i want us to see is when you look at john chapter 15 verse 9 as the father has loved me so have i loved you now remain meno in my love i want to make a paraphrase there that i believe is going to help us today i want it to read like this As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now make my love your home. Menno, where you live, where you stay, where you abide. Where you wake up in the morning and where you go to sleep at night. The place that is home to you, make my love, Menno, your home. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. 
Now make my love your home. Now, these words take us beyond just knowing about God's love. You can know about God's love because you heard someone share John 3.16. For God so loved the world. You could even memorize that verse. But how many of you realize that's a different thing than actually making that love your home? Do you see the difference between that? Notice one thing to know a Bible verse. It's another thing for it to become actual reality And that's what he's asking us to do, to actually make that love that he has for us where we live, to make it our home, Menno. Raises a question for me. So Jesus, this was the question I was asking for many years, how do I make your love my home? That's a great question. Okay, I'm interested. You've got my attention. The answer comes right in the next verse. How convenient is that? The answer is this. If you obey my commands, you will make my love your home. Menno, you will make my love your home if you obey my commands. Well, that's helpful. And uh, that actually... uh, needs maybe to be expanded just a little bit. I'd like to look at two words in John uh, chapter 10 when it says, if you obey my commands, you will make my love your home, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands. I want to look at the word if and the word obey. The word if is a conditional particle. I'm no English expert, believe me. But it's a conditional particle, which means either one of them could be used in translating that verse, if or when. I'm going to actually prefer to say, when you obey my commands, when you do this, okay? Now let's look at the word obey. It's tereo in the Greek, and it means to guard from loss by never letting it out of your sight. Now there's numbers of words for guard, which... Interestingly enough, it's the best word to translate obey. If you guard, guard is the direct translation. What kind of guard does this mean? You can guard something by putting a fence around something and having some guys stand out there and guard it. You could guard it and you could keep it from escaping. But that's not the Greek word that's used here. The Greek word that is used, tereo, it means to guard from loss by never letting something out of your sight. Never letting it out of your sight. It's kind of like um, when you're in the airport uh, with someone or in a public place uh, and you need to go to the counter, what you do, don't do is set your phone down on the seat and let it out of your sight, do you? Why wouldn't you do that? Because it's valuable, it's irreplaceable. Its loss would be catastrophic. You may have everything that you need for this trip on that phone. You guard it by never letting it out of your sight. You keep it in vision. That's exactly what Jesus is saying here. If you guard, or when you guard my command, you don't let it out of your sight, in other words, That's the key for us. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, uh, even with the laws, you know, the way you always showed God your love for him 
was by obedience to his commands. If you love me and keep my commandments. So that's always Old and New Testament. That's always been the key for, for showing our love for God. So, but there they said, write my commands on the posts of your door. Write them down there so you, you will have them before you. In fact, write them even on your hands. Um, I, I don't know if this is a form of tattooing or not, but we won't get into that right now. I know that's controversial. Uh, but, and they said, even put them on your forehead. Why would they do that? It would be because um, when you, when you, if you let something out of sight, it can be out of mind. So I would say this is the way I would paraphrase this translation. When you guard my commands, never letting them out of your sight, you will make my love your home just as I have guarded my Father's commands and make His love my home. Now, what we could say here is, uh, what are your commands? That's the next question that's raised. Okay, you've got me hooked. This is an incredible promise, but what are your commands? And so we, we have to go into... Uh, verse number 12, the question would be, Jesus, what are your commands? What am I to never let out of my sight? Out of sight, uh, it can mean out of mind. So his answer is this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. This becomes his, the answer that we have how did he love us now what we're going to ask here is not what did he do to love us because he left heaven he came to earth uh, he fed the multitudes he healed the sick he proclaimed the gospel he raised the dead he ultimately went to the cross that's what he did to love us what we want to talk about for a moment is how did you do what you did? In other words, what enabled you to do that? I want you to love one another as I have loved you or the way I was able to love you. How could you do that? That's the question that we need to look at for a moment. He answers that question in verse 9, as the Father has loved me. That's how I've loved you. In other words, you have to receive the love that the Father has given in order to have it to share with somebody else. That's what's so significant about this Christian message. This is not something that we do on our own. It is something that we have to learn to receive so we have something to give. Some of you have heard me tell the story of my dear father. Significant time, halfway into my ministry, after some 25 years of ministry, Patty and I did a DTS with Youth with a Mission. We went thousands of miles away. We went to Kona uh, and did it there. And uh, it was a difficult and life-transforming time. 
But part of it was God's confrontation of me and showed me that I had really built some walls in my heart to protect myself from people. And God began to speak to me and say, those walls have to come down because it's keeping my love from reaching your heart. You put that barrier up there, but it's really keeping my love out. I wrote my dad a letter because what, what precipitated this was this crazy thought that I fought with everything in me that I wanted to hear my dad say, son, I love you. And I was in my mid-40s. Dad was in his 80s. And I fought that thought with everything that was in me. But finally, I started writing my dad a letter and told him my feelings. And I told him that, Dad, I think this is bigger than me hearing you say I love you. It's about me hearing God say I love you. It's about me receiving his love. Took me three weeks to write the letter. I sent it out. Many weeks later, I got a letter back from my dad, and you could see the aged lettering on the outside addressed to me, and I took it, went off by myself, opened it up, and read that single-page uh, page letter. It's interesting that one of the things my dad said, he said, Dear son, thank you for your letter. It was a very good letter. I read it three times. It would have been better if I had said, I love you. We never used that word in our home. Uh, it just wasn't a word we used. And um, he said, it would have been better if I'd said, I love you. But I never heard those words. And it's a lesson I've carried since that day. I realize that you can't give away something you don't have. You have to have something before you can give it away. And dad had never heard those words, and he just did not have it to give away. The amazing thing is, um, in his 80s, there was a breakthrough. And when I got to be with him some months later, later for the first time, maybe in his life, my dad said the words, I love you. And it was such a breakthrough moment for him. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, he was able to say it like three times over time. And it was uh, astonishing. And then he lived to a very old age. When he was, um, he, he lived 104 and a half. And uh, I would uh, serve him. And one of the ways I served him was I clipped his toenails and uh, that allowed me to touch him. He was, he, Dad was never comfortable with hugging. And, and those of you that know me know I'm a hugger. And Dad was, it was like, hugging Dad was like hugging a two-by-four. And, um, but, so you could tell that just everything in him is waiting for the next second when he can get out of that hug. Okay. But, so, but I discovered that one of the ways I could touch him was by doing his toenails. And he had complicated toenails, and I didn't know that until I started doing this. One day I'm there, and you have to realize that, that I've heard um, some maybe 15 years earlier, uh, or maybe 18 years earlier, I'd heard him say for the first time, I love you. But then I haven't heard it for 18 years. <laughs> and I didn't need it anymore because I, the Lord had showed me his love for me in an amazing way. And I got, got to hear dad say a couple times, I love you. And it was a wonderful breakthrough. But now he's 104 years old 
And I've just finished doing his toenails, and I could feel his feet and touch him. And, um, and when I finished, um, I said uh, that I was going to be leaving. I said, Dad, I'll see you later. I love you. And um, as I turned to leave his room, uh, he said, I heard him say, I love you. He said, thank you very much. And the word very just caught me. And I spun back around. I knelt down in front of Dad, and I put my hand on his chest. And I said, Dad, you just have to know how much I love you. And he said it one last time, 104 years old, I love you. It was an amazing thing to see it. But you have to receive it before you can give it. How did you love us, Jesus? Not what did you do, but how did you do what you did? As the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you. And what we see here in Scripture is that when he was baptized by John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven that said, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus, before he ever worked a miracle, fed the multitudes, certainly before he went to the cross, he had heard the Father say, I love you, son. I love you, and I'm pleased with you. We know that God's love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he's given to us in Romans 5, 5. And we know that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, he tells us that we are to um, be filled, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. So what I want to do today, in, uh, in just as we draw this to a, a summary today, what I'd like to do is read you my paraphrase of those four verses. And if some of you, if you want to take a picture of it, get your camera out to see it, because I'd like you to be able to contemplate this and meditate on it later. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 12, in the GEP paraphrase. As the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you. Now make my love your home. When you guard my commands, never letting them out of your sight, you will make my love your home. Just as I've guarded my Father's commands and have made his love my home. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Now, that's a powerful passage of scripture for me but there's a bonus that I left out and it's verse number 11 I've told you this so my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete <laughs> isn't that incredible that this is the way to living the most joyous life that we could possibly live maximized joy so this is in my thinking one of the most amazing invitations in Scripture. It's Jesus' invitation to us. Now make my love your home. Today, I want to challenge you. This is a journey. 
But I want you to challenge each of you here today to accept that invitation and say, Jesus, I'm accepting the invitation. I'm moving in. You see, sometimes we live in shame, guilt, judgment, religion. We can live in a lot of different things that don't really represent his love. But what he's saying is the place that really makes you fruitful and makes your joy complete is when you accept my invitation and make my love your home. Today, I'm going to ask you to fill out a change of address. <laughs> if you've not been living in his love, I would encourage you today to literally make that change and say, Lord, from now on, I want you to teach me how to make your love my home. It's the place of fruitfulness, and it's the place of joy. And uh, if we were to go beyond this, it's the place of answered prayer. So I want to say a prayer today and a prayer of blessing over us, over those that are watching on live stream also. So I want you just to bow your heads. Father, you see each one of us. You know the challenges we face. You know how easy it is to make striving, make condemnation, judgment, make religious struggle, to make it where we live. And Lord, we, we see a better place that you've invited us to live in. It's your, your home for us. It's your love. So Lord, today I'm asking for each one of us in this place that you would give us that grace to say yes to making your love our home. Today, Lord, we want to make that change of address. And we trust you for those present today, those online for each of us. Show us, Lord, what this looks like day by day. And keep us, even when we struggle, even when we fail for a moment, bring us back to that place where we, Mena, we make our love your home. And we thank you, Father, for hearing that prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to, um, I'm going to ask you to stand together. I'm going to ask our prayer folks to come forward. If you would like to have some personal prayer this morning, we're going to have people up front here that will pray for you. And, uh, and I just want to encourage us to, uh, to take full advantage of this. You know, the steps in following Jesus are very, they're not complicated, they're very simple. The Father tells us to believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's where the journey starts, putting our trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross to pay for our sins. And when we've trusted in Jesus, it takes us to him 
and we hear his command, love one another as I've loved you. So today, I want to encourage you to take those steps, and if you desire to pray, you can come forward here. And I want to pray just a, a prayer of blessing over us as we get ready to leave. It's a doxology out of Scripture. I want you to receive this just in this moment. Now to him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory and majesty, power, authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. And everyone said together, Amen. Amen. God bless you today. And I'd like you to turn and bless somebody else that's near you on your way out today. Make sure everybody gets either a hug or a word of blessing um, before they leave the house today.